Welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning, and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly brought to you by Fearless Movement Collective, the home of queer fitness and health. And here's your host, Bowie Stobar. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode two. My name is Bowie Stover. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm super stoked to have you join me today. Before I start, I do want to acknowledge that this show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded. I pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Alrighty, let's jump into this show for today. Now, today we are going to be looking at food and eating and nutrition. I guess it's all kind of the same thing. There is a lot of crap out there. There's a lot of misinformation. The fitness industry has kind of put this idea out that uh, you have to count calories and there's good foods and bad foods and you've got to go on diets and one diet's better than another diet or you've got to go on detoxes and cleanses and blah, blah, blah. There is so much crap out there. But what there's not a lot out there of is how to make empowered choices, how to feel good about eating because it's always focused on this kind of perspective of shame or you've got to eat so you can lose weight. And like, like the whole goal of eating anything is to maintain some sort of publicly approved uh, skinny kind of physique. And if you're not eating for that with for that purpose then you're eating wrong and all of your goals with eating should be about getting you to become smaller in body size and that's just not true it's such a load of total crap and it infuriates me that this is such a common message in a from an industry that's really supposed to be giving support and help to the people who are wanting to follow it so in this episode today what I hope to do is give you some insights and understanding into some practices that are actually empowering. And the one that I really like to ascribe to myself is mindful eating. I want uh, to give you some tips on how you can start practicing mindful eating like right away. It's not a big, it's not a big change. It's not like you've got to change anything about what you eat and understanding how eating influences your body and mind because that's not what we're taught. So what is mindful eating? So mindful eating is just putting thought into what you're eating while you're eating it. So taking the time to, um, with whatever food that you've got prepared or whatever food you've bought for yourself, while you're eating it, just thinking about it. Think about how it feels while you're chewing it. What flavors are you noticing? What textures do you notice in your mouth as you chew how does it taste? How does it smell? It's really just taking time to be present while you're eating. And that's all it is. It doesn't matter what you're eating. I really want to be clear on that. I will never ever dictate to a person that there is a good versus bad food because food is food and it's our own meanings on it that create the good or badness. And it's really it's really harmful to think, oh, I can't eat that because it's bad for me. Or if I want to reach this goal, then I have to stop eating this, uh, you know, this particular thing or that particular thing. It's like, that's not true. My, it's about eating and just being thoughtful, being thoughtful about not only um, what's happening while you're eating it, but thinking about how you want to feel after you've eaten. 
because food doesn't just stop once we've finished consuming it. It's got this whole process of digestion to go through. But not only that, it's not just about digestion. You also have all the thoughts that come with it once you've finished eating it. Because if you eat something and then turn around and feel shame, like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, I'm, and then um, I'm, I'm overweight. That's not going to make me feel any better. Oh, I just feel worse now. I sh-, you know, that that is, that, that thinking is actually worse for your body than the food that you may have eaten that you think is bad for your body to start with. Does that make sense? Because our thoughts create emotional responses in our body and emotional responses create chemical responses in our body and influence our hormones, which has this huge kind of ripple effect on how our whole body then functions once we've finished eating that meal. So it can be really, it's going to be really easy trap to fall into. I know because it's something I think that in a lot of Western cultures in particular, it's kind of ingrained into, uh, into our culture in some way that, uh, you've got to be on a diet or you've got to, you've got to cut these foods from your eating because they're bad for you. Or these ones are going to make you gain weight or eat fat free because fat eating fatty foods is what makes you gain weight. It's like, it's all, it's a lie. It's all a lie. And it's really easy when there's not a lot of messaging out there saying contrary to think that that's the truth of it. And it's just not true. There's so much misinformation coming through the fitness industry because they want your money. The fitness industry focuses on putting out the stuff that that creates um, urgency and wants you to buy into it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's this new, there's this new diet. All I've got to do is drink juice. I don't know if you've heard of the juice diet. I won't. It's, what is that? Juice is not a diet. Like, juice is a beverage that you can enjoy, uh, you know, on a hot day or, you know, something like that. Juice is not a diet. It is not something to base your whole lifestyle around. Because when we look at eating, we've got to think not just about the meal we're having now, not just about the meal we're having later, but long-term, our whole lives. See, we've got to eat for our whole lives. If we don't eat for our whole lives, then like some pretty bad stuff happens. You know, death um, without eating. It's no surprise that there are so many people out there who struggle with really unsafe and unhealthy relationships with food when all the information that they're given is telling them that they should feel bad about their body if they're eating this or if they look like this then they should feel should feel bad about eating eating something that people have decided is quote unquote not good food for you anyone who tells you that you need to stop eating whatever I mean unless it's a I guess if it's a, a, a doctor or a nutritionist like someone who's very specialist who's saying well maybe you need to make these food choices because of XYZ and this is some health health outcomes that you want because currently this is where your body is at maybe listen to them but <laughs> when it comes to like any of the dodgy magazines that are out there preaching all their crap about get skinny for summer you can do that take this 12-step detox blah 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 that's the tone that I think that they have when they talk about this by the way <laughs> they're like blah 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 and it's it's all lies don't listen to anything of that nature listen to a nutritionist or a specialist because they actually have spent a lot of time learning about food and how your body responds to food and the digestive system and the physiological responses um, and hormonal responses that come from eating. They know boats. If it's not them, they don't. 
it, this is why it becomes so hard when it comes to food choices. And it's really common for people to have emotional attachments to food. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have ways of comforting ourselves when it comes to like challenges in our lives. And for some people, food is something that can be really comforting to them, especially if they've been raised in a family that, you know, food and eating together is kind of that connection. That's the family moments. It's a communal thing. And it's, there's something really deep down and inherently kind of primal within all humans, I think, where sharing a food is a really connecting act. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually a really amazing thing to share food, to come together, to eat together, to to cook for others and share other people's food that they've created as well. It's a really positive and empowering thing. It's no wonder that we have these connections. If you're feeling stressed or if you've had a tough day, you want to come home, you want to eat something that helps you feel just good. Because when you're stressed and you, you just want that something that's just like, like, I just need, I need to step away from this feeling. And food can be that. Food can be that comfort for people and it is not a simple matter because when there's that sort of emotional connection with it, it's a totally different way of having to approach eating and thinking because it's like all these ingrained emotional responses that happen when we eat something that helps us feel good and there's nothing wrong with that and you don't need to go on a diet. No one needs to go on a diet if if you are someone who finds that eating something like a particular food helps you relax, don't feel bad about that. That's okay. If it's something that helps you relax, but then afterwards you start shaming yourself and you start feeling negatively towards your body or you have really hard thoughts towards yourself, that's when it becomes a problem because that thinking is what can lead to to like depression. It can lead to a lot of anxiety. It leads to eating disorders such as bulimia or anorexia, and they they are really serious matters. And it all stems from our thinking about our food and the misconceptions that are put out there and the so, social beauty standard that says that you've got to be skinny to be accepted in society. It's one of the most unrealistic standards to have especially when a majority of the population within western culture are classified as being overweight so it's just this unrealistic expectation that people are expected to fulfill and then feel bad when they don't i think a lot of the expectations that we're that we're told that we have to abide by are created by the patriarchy you know you've got these cishet men who'll sit in a position of privilege and judge everyone else around them without looking at themselves, without reflecting that, well, they may not be ascribing to this. They may not be the the standard of what is considered uh, attractive by being, you know, having a, a low body fat percentage, but they have that expectation on others, particularly on women and particularly on people from the trans and gender diverse community. So what can you do to become more mindful? Well, it's not necessarily as hard as you think. One of the first things that I would suggest is after you eat, just check in with yourself. How are you feeling? You know, and not just check in with yourself right after the meal. Check in with yourself one hour after eating. Check in with yourself three hours after eating. You see, as our bodies digest food, different hormones are released in response to the food. 
when we eat something that's carbohydrate-based. So that can be something that's sugary. It could be breads, pastas, rice. Um, Though there is a difference between complex and simple carbohydrates. The body, at the base level, our body's response is going to be the same because at the base level, all carbohydrates are made of sugars. And our body's response to sugar is to uh, release insulin, which is a hormone in our body. And when it releases insulin, the insulin goes out and it takes all the sugar in our blood and it pulls it out of the blood because there's a level that our our blood sugar needs to be out for it to be kind of at a balanced level. And when our body has an insulin response, because we've eaten something that's carb-based and it pulls that sugar out of our blood, we get a big drop in energy. And that's when uh, you'll, a lot of people will say that they've gone into a food coma. This is, this is an insulin response. Or it might be that you get the, the three o'clock in the afternoon slump. That's often an insulin response, particularly if you've had a lunch or a meal in the middle of the day that had quite a high level of carbohydrates. Now, it's a totally natural response. The response itself is fine, but it's that crash and that slump in energy. And then what we do after that, that can make the difference. Because when we're low on energy, it can be really easy to think, oh, I'm going to have something. Oh, I really need to have something sweet. I really need something to just pick me up. You know, I know I've been, this is a trap that I've fallen into. And I think it's a trap most of us have fallen into. So you have something that's a little bit, you a little bit sweet. You might have a piece of fruit. You might have a muesli bar. You might have a chocolate, whatever it is, but that's sugar again. So we get that pick up again. It's like, yes, I feel energized again until our body sends out more insulin. And then we have another crash. And then it's this up and down process, right? Now, the trouble with that is that over time, our body actually becomes resistant to insulin. So our body does not respond to insulin as well as it would if we didn't have the frequent ups and downs. So over time, it builds a resistance to it and then it stops working so well. And this is actually one of the common contributors to diabetes, especially diabetes when it's diet related. And it's why at the same time, people can change their diets and their diabetes goes away because over time, our body becomes less resistant to it. And so when we do have an insulin response, our body responds better to it. Now, someone who has a higher volume of excess soft tissue will have a higher resistance because fat cells actually create hormonal responses that will influence how insulin is used in the body. So bringing it back, when I talk about thinking about how you're feeling after a meal, this is something to be mindful of. And we we went a little bit into the kind of what what happens when we have that crash, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so ask yourself after you've eaten, ask yourself an hour after you've eaten, ask yourself three hours after you've eaten. Like, how am I feeling? Am I tired? Am I feeling bloated? Am I feeling kind of lethargic? And it's not even just in the hours afterwards. It can be the days afterwards. I know for myself, if I eat bread... I find the next day I feel like stiff in my finger knuckles and stuff like that when I open and close my fingers. Now that's telling me that there's inflammation in my body or there's, and there's fluid retention in my body. Now that's not a good thing. And just from kind of keeping track of how my body feels after I've eaten certain foods, 
I know that it's bread that does it to me. So now when I am put with the opportunity to eat bread, I can go, oh, I really like bread. Like I do. I really like bread. (laughs) But I also can ask myself, it's like, yes, I really like bread. But at the same time, do I want to feel real stiff in my fingers? Do I want my stomach to feel bloated? And then I weigh up. It's like, well, how do I want to feel overall for, you know, for for my day for the next three days? And then I can help myself make a better decision. And this is mindful eating. This is why I talk about thinking about how you feel afterwards. Because now that I'm aware of how, how bread makes my fingers feel stiff and, and I feel a bit bloated and kind of a little bit puffy, it influences my choice for when I choose to eat bread. And I can go, well, I haven't had bread in a few weeks. So yeah, I'm just going to have it this one time. And I usually it's usually not so bad. If I eat bread regularly, that's when I find I start getting that puffiness and that stiffness. So I am able to say, I can occasionally eat bread and I'm going to feel okay. But I definitely cannot eat it numerous times a week. And this is mindful eating. It's not about stopping what I want to eat. It's not about shaming myself for choosing to eat bread. I don't eat bread and then go, oh, good work, Bowie. Now you're going to feel puffy. You shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, well, yeah, what a shit idea. He's like, no. With all of the reasoning that I have based on what I know, I've been able to say, yep, I'm so keen to eat this piece of bread. And I know that I'm probably going to feel a little bit puffy, but it's not going to be so bad. And I know that I'm not going to eat it again sometime soon. And that's okay. And it's not going to, it's not going to be a bad thing. And that's what's important. And this is something that uh, once you kind of get a feel for how certain foods make you feel, and it can feel a bit tricky at first because you may not necessarily be able to tell, especially if kind of you've, you've been eating the same foods for a long time. Your base level of how you feel from constantly eating foods that may not make you feel great, it's going, to, it's going to be a little bit hard to tell. So sometimes you may need to just start with picking one particular food and focusing on how that makes you feel. Say like go a week or so and be like, oh, how do I feel when I eat this one particular food? Um, which is how I found out that bread and pasta as well, like wheat-based bread and pasta, just makes me feel a bit icky if I have too much of it over a short period of time. This is mindful eating. So it's not about taking anything away, but it's about making informed decisions of how and when I want to eat certain foods. And it's going to be, it's not easy at first. It can be a bit tricky. So another option is to keep a diary of how you're feeling. Sometimes it's easier to just write things down. You can just jot a couple notes. It doesn't have to be anything huge. You could have a notepad and just be like, ate this food. Uh, one hour after I feel like this, three hours after I feel like this. And you know, I just keep a little log because that's when you can start to notice when things start to create different feelings in your body. Some questions you can ask yourself while you're checking in after you've eaten a meal. Are, uh, how's this meal made me feel? Um, so like we were just speaking about not just one hour, um, you know, three hours, six hours, a day after. How's this meal made me feel? What was I thinking about while I ate? Because it's really easy to just, you know, especially if you're sitting in front of uh, the TV, like watching Netflix or you're watching a movie or you're playing a game or something, you can eat without even realizing that you're eating, right? You're not taking the time to to think about your food. You're just kind of smashing it down so you can get back to what you want to focus on. Now, that makes a big difference with what you will eat. And ask yourself, how do I want to feel after eating? 
So these are some really great questions to check in with because if you're really honest about your answers, they're going to really influence the choices that you're going to make. Now, I do want to be clear. This does not this is not to say that any food is good or bad because that's not a thing. And there are some foods that if you eat them a lot, they may be high in calories and low in nutrients. So the the outcome of eating foods that have a higher volume of energy in them that you aren't using is that they can cause health implications. They can cause many physiological responses within your body that aren't all going to be positive or helpful for you long term. But that is not to say that you can't eat whatever you want to eat. It's all about you eat whatever you want to eat, but you think about how it makes you feel. And you think about whether that's how you want to feel or how else you could feel or how choices you make could influence changes in how you feel. This is why it's mindful eating. And one of the best ways to become mindful eating is to eat slowly because then you have the time to really think about the food you're eating, think about how it feels in your mouth, thinking about how it smells, thinking about how it tastes. So all it's all kind of interconnected. So it doesn't matter what you eat. If you can eat it slowly, think about the food while you're eating it, and then think about how you feel afterwards, you're going to start noticing some really interesting things. Now, I would recommend starting small because mindfulness, I know it's a bit of a... Um, it's a bit of a word that's flung around about these days. It's like one of those hot hot words of the moment, you know, mindfulness and, you know, it goes with, you know, meditation, that kind of new age self-helpy kind of talk. But it's got some tr- it's got some truth to it. It does because it's just about being present and thinking about what you're doing and making choices and then thinking about how those choices make you feel. Starting small will make it easier. So I would say choose one meal and start there. So say you eat breakfast. Start with your breakfast. So if it's once a week or if it's once a day, like you don't have to go into doing this every day. You can start at any, anywhere that you feel good about. Don't You don't want this to be overwhelming. Make it a fun experiment, right? Because that's what it is. Like this is not, you know, this is not something you have to do permanently. But it can be interesting to learn about how your body feels. And I know that within the trans and gender diverse community, oftentimes a lot of us spend our time trying to avoid trying to avoid feeling our bodies. So this can be tricky, but long term, it is so helpful because our minds and our bodies are in this together. We can't do anything without both of them working together. And the outcomes of avoiding your body is that you can end up with not looking how you want to look, not feeling how you want to feel. So mindfulness is a great way to start kind of introducing your mind to your body, being like, hey, body, we're going to eat this thing. I'd love to know how you're feeling about that. And then listening to what your body's telling you. You don't have to love your body. You don't have to think that your body is anything other than what you currently think it is. But at the same time, you can accept that your body is going to do certain things based on the foods that you put in it. And if you listen to what your body is telling you, you can start helping it to feel better. 
So you can start with one meal a day. You can start with one meal a week. Just pick one and stick with it. It makes it heaps easier. So say it's breakfast, eat your breakfast, eat whatever you usually would or eat your lunch and eat whatever you usually would if you want to pick lunch, if you're someone who doesn't eat breakfast. But just pick it and then spend a week or two, I'd say two weeks because you're really not necessarily going to feel change or gain gain um, a lot of insight over a shorter period of time. So I'd say for two weeks, if you just picked one meal and every day focused one meal, how you felt afterwards, then I think that you would be surprised with what that outcome would be. As I touched on earlier, keeping a diary about it, so taking notes. So find that one meal. Like today, I felt this. I felt a bit sleepy afterwards. This is what I ate. I felt bloated afterwards. Or I ate this. I tried something new. I felt really great. I felt energized. I didn't feel too full. I just felt satisfied. And with eating slowly, this one becomes real. This one for me was one of my biggest challenges. But I tried to eat slowly as well for numerous reasons. Not only does it help be mindful of eating, but the more you chew your food, the easier it is for your body to digest it. So you know, when your stomach gets a little bit of an easier time with the food that it's that you're sticking into it as well. And what I found was if you match your eating pace with someone around you. So someone who eats slower than you, that is, not someone who eats faster. <laughs> so if you find someone who eats slower than you and then match your pace to them, so take a bite when they take a bite, chew for as long as they chew and slow it down, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's a challenge, but it really helps you think about what you're doing. Sometimes the thinking is like, oh my God, how can I chew my food this long? My food is now mush in my mouth. It's all gooey and there's nothing. Oh, it's that's okay. Then you've just chewed your food really well. That is fine. <laughs> your stomach will thank you. <laughs> but really, kind of take the time to think about that. So, what if you can't do it right now for whatever reason? So, if you're someone who has a challenging relationship with food. And if you're someone that lives in Australia, you can actually get a referral from your GP to access a nutritionist for like six free visits. That's every Australian citizen is eligible for that. So if you feel that you need some extra help getting started and you don't have the money to pay for a nutritionist, you can get six free visits. You just need to go to your GP and tell them that you are having challenges with your food. I think there's a criteria you've got to um, you've got to fulfill that you've got to show that you're having challenges with your eating and the implications of that are negative, and therefore you need a help from a nutritionist. But if you chat with your GP about it, you're entitled to six free visits from a nutritionist and they know boats when they know nutrition. They will help you get started because they have a really great understanding of the body and how food works and all of that sorts of good stuff. If you do have a challenging relationship with food or if you're someone who's had disordered eating in the past, I would really recommend chatting to your GP and accessing that because it's sometimes for some of us, it's not going to be an easy start and that's okay. We all start where we start and we can't change that. And everything from that starting point is always moving forward, even though sometimes it may not feel like it, but it's okay. Where you're starting at right now is okay. It's perfect. It's exactly where you need to be to start. So starting small, like I mentioned, but try starting smaller. If you're, if you're feeling challenged by just doing it once a day, 
go to once a week. Just pick like on a Monday morning's breakfast. Every Monday morning's breakfast, I'm going to think about how breakfast makes me feel. So start small. It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be big jumps. And in mindfulness, like I mentioned, it can be tough. It can be challenging. Like anything, it does require practice before it starts to feel more comfortable and a little bit more like this is a bit more natural for me. It takes time. So don't have the expectation that you're going to be perfect. Don't have expectations that you're going to be able to notice everything straight away. If you're someone who spent a long time kind of disconnecting from their body a bit, then it might feel a bit hard to actually start paying attention to how your body or even naming the feelings. I find languaging feelings that our bodies have sometimes can be super tricky. So taking the time to just, even if you are someone who's keeping a diary, just write down just words, just what I know, like for myself, there's certain foods that I eat that I, I say that they make me feel blumpy. Like blumpy, I don't think that's a word, but that's how I feel. I feel blah, like really blah. And it's kind of like bloated and lethargic mixed together. It's blumpy. Use whatever words you need to use that resonate with you that help you describe how you feel. Cram the English language. <laughs> whatever. If we can put a word in a sentence, then it's a word. Is in my That's my theory, <laughs> which I do quite often. But yes, use whatever words you need to use to describe how you're feeling. And the more you start describing how you're feeling the easier it becomes to notice things and then kind of put a name to it so you can acknowledge that feeling. So let's wrap things up. Today we have talked about what mindful eating is, how you can start practicing mindful eating today by asking yourself, how has this meal made me feel? What was I thinking about while I ate? Did I enjoy my food? How do I want to feel after my food? And check in with yourself, check in one hour after, check in three hours after, check in six hours, check in the next day. Start thinking about how your food makes you feel, not just short term, but long term. Eating slowly, no matter what you eat, eat whatever you want, but eat it slowly. Find that slow eater. Toddlers are really good for it because, I don't know, they, it's like every every meal is like some sort of adventure. Find them, find the slow eaters, match their pace. And getting a referral from a nutritionist, if you're in Australia, and if you feel that you're challenged with your relationship with food, or you need specialist support to get started. So these all these details will be in the show notes. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to www.fearlessmovement.co. You can find us on Facebook at Fearless Movement Collective, or you can find me on Instagram as the No T N B. All of these links will be in the show notes. Until next week, remember, you're in charge of your life. You have the ability to create a life that excites and empowers you. So have a rad as day, pals. 